2: Hello to our fellow royal lovers. Welcome back to Royally Us, where we break down everything about our favorite family. I'm Joe Drake, back with my lovely London-based co-host, Molly Moleshine. How's it going?
0: Good. I had, oh man, so there was so much royal news this week. My phone screen time was six hours a day. And I no. think it was because I just yeah. couldn't stop reading it all.
2: Right. Oh, my God, there was so much. I was actually kind of nervous because, again, last week was my first week with you doing Royally Us, and I was so grateful that little bit Diana was born because I was like, I know we're going to have so much to talk about because I worry about these weeks that there might not be a lot to talk about. But here we are again. There's so much.
0: So, so much. I mean, Let's get into it. It's Let's like get
2: into it. I think, first of all, we have to talk about the Queen's birthday. It wasn't actually her birthday, but they celebrated it. Right, Molly?
0: Right. So I always knew that the Queen had two different birthdays. Her real birthday is April 21st. Right. Um, but she celebrates... On Trooping of the Color, the second week of June each year. And I always thought that was like a tradition that goes back centuries, but actually it's not. It comes from her father. I didn't oh. realize that. George just, VI, uh, yeah, when he died in 1952, she wanted to continue having her birthday in June because, you know, the weather in London in April, not so nice. And I guess she wanted to keep having like an outdoor parade. So they had it. This year at Windsor instead of um, at Buckingham Palace on the Mall, um, but yeah, so that was that's the deal with her birthday.
2: Yeah, typically it is held at Buckingham Palace, obviously, but this year was at Windsor Castle because of COVID. Correct.
0: Right. So she was by herself. She usually has her whole family, and we get that amazing balcony photo. Right. Uh, and this is the second year in a row, of course, that we have not been able to see that. And it's interesting cause it's also the second year in a row when Meghan and Harry haven't been around. So we still don't know what the future is gonna look like for Trooping of the Color, if they're gonna fly back every year or what, uh, it's still open-ended.
2: That's a good point. I mean, I feel like they can easily blame COVID because they don't have to be together because of COVID, if that makes sense. So William, Kate, Harry, Meghan, obviously Charles, Camilla and everyone else, don't have to all be together for that photo op because they can't.
0: Right, exactly. So it's kind of a good built-in <laughs> excuse for a thawing period for totally, about because we're
2: very much in this transition with the whole royal family.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: What does the trooping of the color entail? Do you know?
0: So. The biggest thing that people get really excited about is the Royal Air Force. Uh, Their red arrows fly through the sky, trailing red, white, and blue streaks. And whenever you see that balcony photo, you see them all looking up. That's what they're looking at. There's also, you know, horses and all different kind of cavalry and and things like that. The 2nd Battalion, Scots Guards. There's a 41-gun salute from the King's Troop Royal Horse Artillery. And it's just a big, it's pageantry. It's just like marching and horses. And it's like a, a nice royal parade.
2: I think going back to uh, some of us uh, here in America wanting or claiming that Meghan Markle is our American royalty, I think we long for the for the pageantry that uh, people have uh, that live in London that can witness what goes on with the royal family. I mean, we have a lot that goes on. and. Washington DC and a lot of things that happen on July 4th and the like, but we don't have something as grand as the Trooping of the Color, which I think, again, that's why some of us are grasping at like, who can we claim as members of the Royal Family and everything, but speaking of what happens in Washington DC, the uh, President of the United States and the First Lady were over in uh, England for the G7 summit and they met the Queen.
0: Right. So they were in Cornwall all weekend for the G7 Summit, and they met the queen in Windsor on Sunday. Um, And it was the president, the first lady. um, The queen was there. Charles and Camilla, I believe, also were there. And William and Kate. We saw some really nice photos and videos of all of them together. Um, I actually saw Marine One fly over my apartment, which was really cool. Did you really? Yeah, it was very exciting. I don't think he was on board at the time, but
2: yeah. Interesting. You know, um, our offices usually are, obviously we're still working remotely, but our offices are usually the very downtown tip of Manhattan. And that's where um, the president would fly into, regardless of who's the sitting president, Biden, Trump, um, Obama, Bush, whenever they would come to New York, it would be like the helicopter pad like right outside of our office. And we had the best view. But sometimes they would do like these test runs. So we would wait for someone to come out and no one would. We're like, oh, it's a test run.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that happened to me once actually at uh, Kensington Palace. I saw a helicopter landing and I like sprinted because I was like, oh my God, it's probably Kate and Will. And right. yeah, it was no one.
2: I'm w- I'm waiting for the day to see a landing and someone come off. Because again, going back to that pageantry, there's something really fabulous about like watching someone land because there's so VIP and so incredible. Uh, yeah. But one of the things that I found interesting was I've known that President Biden has, such, has had such a long um, career here in America and Washington DC in government. I assumed this wasn't his first time meeting the queen, right? Right.
0: So they actually met back in the 1980s. They met in 1982 when Joe Biden was a senator. Um, And he is like almost as much longevity as the queen. It's really funny when you think about it.
2: I know what the interview coming up today that we have with Stuart Pierce is incredible. You guys should all stay tuned for that. What I find interesting is he tells a really great story about um, the queen, his experience and friendship, I would say, with the queen and. How the queen remembered him many years later. It, make, it makes me wonder if the queen remembered then Senator Biden and now President Biden. If she remembered that interaction from the '80s, something tells me she probably did.
0: Right. Even if she needs someone to, even if she needed someone to jog her memory with a photo or something, I bet right. she did. Yeah.
2: That would be. I love that. And so uh, the Bidens were there for the G7 summit, but. Since you're over there, do you know why the Queen is involved with the G7 summit? Because she's not technically um, like the head of her particular country. You know, these are all the the leaders from England and Canada and Japan and Germany and so forth. Why was the Queen involved with them?
0: So because she's head of state, and because it took place in Cornwall in England, um, she went just to kind of like shake hands and say hi to everybody. But you know, she right. wasn't involved in the actual like political nitty gritty conversation right. that they would have been having because that's like outside her purview. But Joe Biden did get in a little bit of trouble because after he spoke with the queen, somebody said, oh, what did you talk about? And he said, she asked me about Russia and China. <laughs> it's like, oh.
2: Oh like, dear. Joe Biden is known for those gaffes. Like he has no filter.
0: I know. I know.
2: I wonder if that's going to be an issue.
0: I think it's going to be fine because it wasn't like she was asking about like the economy or something. She was just asking sort of things in passing and you know, that's a better gaffe than the ones we've been used to for the past four years. So yeah, true. Not so bad.
2: (laughs) Not so bad in terms of gaffes, but I do wonder if like, because she's obviously the, the queen, um, She obviously should be allowed to ask, like, let's say there's someone that's really interested in foreign relations that meets President Biden, who's like a normal American citizen. They have every right to be like, what's going on with Russia, President Biden? Right. Like, right. Not so much like behind the scenes as they're just like curious as to like world what's going on in the world.
0: Right. And she didn't express an opinion or anything. She just sort of was asking him what went on and how his weekend was. So right. I think, you know, but apparently you're not supposed to reveal what you've said in a private conversation with the queen. But oh
2: boy, whatever. Joe. God love you, Joe. He also said I saw in um, one article I was reading that the queen reminds him of his mother, you know, because there is that um, age. He would be the age of President Biden's uh, late mother.
0: Right, and it's funny because, you know, the queen is so sort of sprightly that you forget that she's only like twenty years older than him.
2: Yeah, or you know, it seems her nineties. He's in his late seventies. I mean, in the the picture of the three of them with uh, First Lady Dr. Jill Biden, I mean, they all look fantastic.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: And she definitely got everyone laughing. I saw because I did know that she was going in for a photo op with the leaders at the G7 summit. And apparently she said um, to everyone, are we supposed to look like we're enjoying ourselves? Because I'm sure that all the leaders were trying to be stoic, especially around the queen. And I bet she has really good icebreakers like in her pocket in moments like that, so that everyone chuckles and ends up smiling for the picture. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think she is like master small talker for sure. Yeah. And- even, I, I mean, I feel like especially in her old age, she's become more sort of cheeky and I guess she feels so comfortable in the position now. So she feels comfortable cra- like cracking a little joke.
2: For sure. Another thing that I loved seeing as a, as a personal fan of both of theirs was uh, Dr. Jill Biden and the Duchess of Cambridge, Kate Middleton, got together for some quality time and uh, visited a school, right Molly?
0: Right. So they share this interest in early childhood education. Of course, Dr. Jill Biden is a she is an educator and Kate has always made it part of her philanthropy. So they met on Friday, June 11th, and they took a trip to a school in West Cornwall and they they did a panel on early childhood education.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I also hate to say it because I know we do this with the women. So, Molly, forgive me, but I just have to say, like, as a gay man who loves them, they looked incredible. Kate in that dress.
0: I loved was, that dress.
2: Oh, gorgeous. And Jill Biden, like not being scared to wear like the brightest pink blazer on the planet. I just loved how bold. They were with these fashion choices because it was like, we're here. I know everyone's looking at us and we're here to do good, to talk about education. I just thought like the whole optics of it was fantastic.
0: Right, and it's like, we're in person. We're not on Zoom with like a blouse and sweatpants. We are in real life and we're wearing hot pink. Like yes, absolutely. very happy, yeah.
2: Sure, But I will be fair, I will comment on, uh, men's fashion for a second, because I love that President Biden, he wore his like very famous aviators that he tends to wear in front of the queen, which I thought was a bold choice to wear something that seems so sort of like street and cool in front of her majesty.
0: That was something else that the British papers were picking up as like a breach in protocol. But of course, we know from from the Obamas, you know, Michelle Obama said that the queen actually sort of confided in her and said, you know, none of that protocol actually matters. She said it doesn't really matter. So, you know, I don't think the queen cares that he had sunglasses on. Plus, she's met him in 1982 when he probably I, had I, even I, bigger sunglasses on because it was the yeah, 80s. Totally. And I don't know. I, I think the, the weirder thing is just no one really wears sunglasses in the UK. So that probably rubbed people the wrong way because. Yeah. It's just not as common. Like, every time I go outside in London with sunglasses on, I'm like, why is no one wearing sunglasses?
2: You're kidding. Even, even a non-royalty, they don't wear them?
0: It's not as common. Like, of course, some people do. But, like, in New York, every person on the street has sunglasses every- on, even when it's, like, cloudy. Even when it's
2: cloudy. Yesterday I went for coffee, and I had on my, like, Ray-Bans. And just, just for, like just naturally.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just like if your eyes are bloodshot or something and you just want to camouflage. Yeah. But they just don't really do it here. So maybe that was part of why it was like a little jarring to them. I don't know.
2: I did. I did um, think that when I saw President Biden in the aviators, I was like, it, it reminded me that I had never seen any member of the royal family in sunglasses ever. Like I See? tried to rack my brain. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen that.
0: I think there might be some post royalty photos of Diana in sunglasses, like when she's, you know, lounging around, but yeah, they just don't really do it. It's, it's, it's kind of a like weird thing here. They just, it's not as common.
2: Interesting. You learn a lot on this show, Molly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we've got to talk about, there wasn't just the news about the Bidens uh, this weekend meeting the queen, which would have been enough. But we have to talk about the Thomas Markle interview with 60 Minutes Australia because he sat down for more press. And it was his first time um, speaking to the press since the uh, the birth of his granddaughter, a little bit, Diana. And we found out a lot, right?
0: Yes. So he said he has not heard from Meghan or Harry since the birth, which he's still never even met Harry. Like, let's not forget that, which is crazy. He's never met Harry or Archie. Um, You know, he, he heard about the birth of Lilibet on the radio, which, God bless, I didn't, know they were still announcing news on the radio. That's, but.
2: What I, that's what I thought. I go, what what like station is Thomas Markle tuned into that he heard on the radio? Like that wow. sounds so old.
0: <laughs> and it's also just a sad mental picture. It is like I do feel bad for him because like just this vision of him like puttering around in his I, house in Mexico, like listening to the radio and like watering the plants or something and then being like, oh, wow, it turns out I have a granddaughter like that's a bummer.
2: Yeah, that was the one big takeaway that I had from watching the interview was how sad he seemed. Um, But I think it'll be easier if we take a look at a clip. So let's watch.
1: If you could get just one message across to your daughter now, what would it be? As always, uh, I do love you and uh, I wish we could sit down and talk about it. I'm not an ogre. Um, I'd I'd love to talk to her.
2: I, in the past, I felt Megan's pain when it came to what her dad allegedly did or did not do with the press, you know, selling photos, talking to the press, selling stories, all of that stuff. But this interview in particular, I i felt sorry for him, I think. I'm torn. I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> I know, and it's like, yes, he behaved in, let's use a very millennial word, he be- behaved in a messy manner, but some people <laughs> would argue that like some of the stuff that Harry and Megan have been talking to the press about and everything is kind of similar to the way that he and Samantha have gone and tried to get messages across to her in the, that's a
2: good point, press,
0: you know? So that's where I'm kind of
2: like, okay. Great point. I never thought about that.
0: It's okay for him, for them to do it, but not for him to do it. Like I think we should all maybe give each other a little more grace in terms of just like spewing out our feelings because we don't know how else to, to cope with them. Do you know what I mean? I don't know.
2: Do you think all premium fuels are the same? Well, your engine
1: doesn't. Shell V Power Nitro Plus helps keep your engine running like new because it's engineered to defend against four main engine threats. Gunk, wear, corrosion, and friction. So next time, choose Shell's most advanced fuel ever. It's fuel for thought in engines that continuously use Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium
2: Gasoline. I mean, obviously, the Markle family seems to be uh, very dysfunctional. Forgive the term, but in my opinion, it seems that way. You know, they don't really seem to have a very close relationship with each other. And maybe you're right, Molly. Maybe this is how they know how to act. It's just, right. sort of, just sort of grasp wherever they can, even if that means going to the press, because like it or not, Meghan Markle is now one of the most famous women people in the world. Um, so they just maybe have to do things differently. I thought it was really sad in this interview that Thomas Markle, when, when asked if, Meg, if he thinks that Meghan still loves him, he said he, had no, he has no idea.
0: That's really sad. Heartbreaking.
2: To yeah. even think that regardless of how the relationship has panned out, that he's not confident that his daughter still loves him. I mean, that just broke my heart because at the end of the day, your parents are still your parents. And I don't know what this is like to ha- what Megan had, has gone through with him, but boy, oh boy, to yeah. not be sure about that is quite the statement.
0: And it must be really hard for her too because she's probably thinking you know we've got all these family members and it's so hard to find people you trust when you're in such a vaunted position that she and harry are in but they can't even trust their family members but yeah i i just can't i don't know it seems very difficult
2: very difficult. Well, let's get into our royalty segment because there has been a lot of rumors about what's been going on this week. In terms of the news, let's continue our conversation about Thomas Markle because I'm curious. I think this is the conversation that has been happening since his interview with 60 Minutes Australia. Can this relationship be repaired is this sort of $100,000 question here. What do you think?
0: I don't think so. I mean, he went to the press again. I know. It's like, Thomas, you have one job. Your one job is to <laughs> not go to the press. Yeah, like, right. That was all you ever had to do. Like, and he just keeps doing it. Like releasing the letter to the mail on Sunday, you know, talking, of, he just, I, I think, you know, he shot himself in the foot again by doing this.
2: Again, I think you're right. I mean, yeah, he only has I, I, I'm going to agree with you. He only has one job, don't go to the press. You know, <laughs> everything else is like manageable from that point, but if you keep doing these interviews, you are not going to get your Megan will not answer your phone call. Right. And Nor will Harry, definitely not, because they like you said, they've never even met. So there's nothing there to even build off of, you know, it's new.
0: Yeah. And and I'm trying to think what I would do if my parents kept talking to the press about if anyone gave a crap about who I am. (laughs) My parents were like talking to the press about me. I don't think I would care because I would just I'm kind of an open book anyway. But Meghan and Harry have like a brand to protect. They have to sort of appear to be a certain way they can't really fully open the curtain on their full real personalities so i think that's kind of why unless now this is them doing that because you know harry has been opening up so much so maybe they are going to start just being you know this is us warts and all and then maybe there's a pathway back for thomas
2: yeah i i'm still holding out hope just because again i feel like the situation is so sad that I think anything is possible. And so we're going to have to see how this goes. But again, if Thomas keeps doing what he's doing, it's not going to look good. But I do want to bring up another rumor that's been swirling around uh, this week is going back to the G7 summit with the Queen's appearance. Eagle-eyed royal fans noticed that she wore a brooch that was given to her in 2007 by the president of Botswana. What is the connection that the royal fans are making, Molly?
0: So famously, and I think we all remember the scene from the Lifetime movie when Diana comes back in the form of a lion and speaks to Harry, but famously, uh, Harry and Meghan went camping in Botswana as one of their early dates. And that is reportedly sort of what sealed the deal on the fact that they were going to be, they were going to go the distance and they were going to be a real item. So people think that the queen wore this brooch as a nod to Meghan.
2: Do you think so? I mean, I kind of want to believe that it's her subtle, like, acceptance of the olive branch about Lilibet and everything. Like, wink, wink, like, I still love you guys. That's the vibe I get.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, like, a couple hours later, you know, the, she had her people brief the BBC that they nev- that they never asked the queen about the name. So, I don't know. I'm, like... It's hard because again, it's this thing of like the family versus the firm. So maybe the queen, right. as a member of the family, is wearing the brooch specifically to 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 give her nod of approval, uh, and then the firm at the same time is like, "But we do take issue with some of the messaging that's out there on the name." Right, but. Also, I just think a lot of stuff has happened in Botswana, so it might be a little bit of a stretch. That's what I mainly think. I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a stretch for sure. And I think that eagle-eyed royal fans are like grasping at straws to be like, that was a, you know, I think it would have been a little bit uh, easier of a connect if it was a gift from Megan herself. Yes.
0: Or I think there was another event over the weekend when she wore a dress that looked like it had big lilies all over it. So that I thought was more of a a show of support. Like that to me is like, yes, lilies like it's so literal, you know?
2: Right. I also think it's funny that like you and I and all these other Royal fans are like looking at these like subliminal messages, but in reality like last week buckingham palace and all senior members of the royal family put out black and white statements in support so like clearly they're happy for the birth of lilibet you know right. there's no question there
0: right absolutely they're not they're not mad about about the birth or anything yeah for sure
2: yeah all right well it's time to move on to the interview portion of our show it's time to break down the royal rules And this week, we are thrilled to welcome back Stuart Pierce, the author of Diana, the Voice of Change. Molly, he was such a great guest the first time and I wasn't with you, so we had to invite him back because his book out is this week and it was such an incredible conversation.
0: We learned so much. Oh my gosh, I could just listen to him talk and tell stories for like hours.
2: For hours, so let's take a look. Thank you so much, Stuart, for coming back. Now that it's out, How does it feel that it's out there in the world for anyone to read?
1: Firstly, I'm really excited um, because I've been dreaming this project into creation over the last five years. Seriously. I mean, it was always bubbling away in my consciousness because of what conversation that Diana and I had, which was the last conversation that we had when she said, just completely en passant, you know, in passing. Um, Wouldn't it be wonderful if this was a book? But let's make sure it doesn't come out until the children are married. So this was this was the first thing. So I'm very, very excited that this information is now in the world for anybody to read. How does it feel on another level so that it has public It becomes a public spectacle. Um, well, there's a certain amount of anticipation and trepidation, you know, because it is a me- it, it is physical and metaphysical. And there may be many people who deny the wonder of the love that's within it because as we know, our world at the moment is very shaken by the contrast between light and dark. So there are many, I think we call them trolls out there.
0: Absolutely. What are you most excited for readers to read in your book? And is there anything you're nervous about them seeing?
1: Uh, Not in the slightest, no. Otherwise, I wouldn't have included it because it's not a book about public exposure. It's really about releasing the essence of who Diana was and to try and answer some of the questions that we may see as being unquest- unanswerable. You know, what was her death all about? Why did it affect 3.9 billion people? Uh, which was then more than half the population of the planet. It was almost two thirds of the population of the planet. Um, so I'm, I'm, very, I'm very relieved that it's coming out. But who would have known that it was coming out at this time? Meaning, you know, the, the brouhaha that still goes on around Harry, Harry and Meghan. Um, although I feel, as you know, that their voice is a voice of liberation and they're doing exactly what Diana would have wanted them to do. There's a lot in the, contem- in the collective shadow that needs to be expressed. And um, our work is all about expressing it. So right. we move healing.
0: It's clear you two had a very special relationship. Um, you spoke about it last time you were on. So what was it like being out with her in public?
1: Um, well, we had a very confidential relationship, so I didn't spend a lot of time with her in public. But um, when I did, she was always in disguise. Oh. So in other words, she would call me and say, darling Stuart, shall we go to the movies? And I would say, can you? And she would say, <laughs> whatever. I'll meet you on High Street Kensington, which is very near to There's a major, major road, major street, which is very close to Kensington Palace. I'll meet you on the corner. I'll be wearing a black trench coat. So I would just, <laughs> I would go to the corner and, of course, arrive slightly early and she would come walking down. But nobody else knew that she, it was her because she'd be wearing a long blonde wig. Oh my god! Sunglasses and a black trench coat. She didn't have, she didn't have a collar up. And then we would walk very, very briskly down the street to the movie theater and go and see a movie. That and I remember, is
2: fantastic. Wow.
1: Did we see? Oh, Jerry Maguire, I remember once we were saw, we laughed all the way through it. Not all the way through it, but some of it. So there were occasions like that, which was very, very, um, you know, very private, so to speak. There was twice I was with her in public and um, it was just, you know, that she was very exposed. We can imagine walking like any star or celebrity, walking out onto that red carpet and 3,000 flashing lights, this was, uh, as we as we all know, this is very intimidating. You know, it's when you're surrounded by that level of technological hardware, there's a lot of energy there, which if you're sensitive, can feel really invasive. Um, so I, I was always very much in the background, just observing all of this, and then stepping forward when my position was useful for her.
2: Right. I love that story about her disguise. That's fascinating. It just makes me so happy that she was able to go with you, her close friend to the movies. To see Jerry Maguire, something we all take for granted, but something that Princess Diana wanted to do. I I just have a quick follow-up. Knowing that her voice was also so recognizable and so iconic, did she try to keep conversation to a minimum with you, or did anyone catch her
1: in the disguise? No, it was really convincing. (laughs) Okay. And obviously what I did was to step forward, for example, to the, you know, the, to buy the tickets. So right. I, we got, I don't think we had machines then because this was cell phones had just been created. Right. Um, but I, you know, I would step forward and I would, I would buy, I would buy the popcorn. I would buy the ice cream. I would buy whatever. She was always drinking water. She would never drink Pepsi or Coke. Oh. Um Uh, So, you know, so it was it was discreet, shall we say. You know, her presence was discreet. If you can call her blonde wig, sunglasses, trench coat discreet, you know, because she was also almost as tall as I. I'm six foot two and she was six foot. So she was quite tall. So we were always on one level yeah so we became you know she became a great friend i mean she was she was still my client and i was her servant so to speak but you know there were these wonderful moments when we could actually blend and then of course because of her public persona she would just move forward into that role and i would step back uh, into the um the background so to speak
0: wow i i guess that's why she always kept her iconic short hair because then no one would recognize her when she had the wig because they're only used to the short hair, maybe.
1: <laughs> well, I think you know the, the the long wig was actually the device that changed the whole of her being, you know? Right. Um, the short hair really, because we remember in the early days, she had very bouffant hair. The mm-hmm. short hair really came that when we started working together in 95, mm-hmm. the end of 95, I... I Talk to her about the fact that she was always doing this with her neck and sort of looking out of the top of her eyes. And I said, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if you lived through the whole of your spine? Because when we live through our spine, it always creates confidence in our bodies, and we also radiate confidence. So she said, oh, that feels really good because she was so fit within her body. <laughs> See, you do that. <laughs> yes, you're right, it does. <laughs> Suddenly feel really, really free. Yes. And so she had a lot of hair that was long at the back, quite short here but long at the back so i said wouldn't it be amazing if you had sam because at that, that time she'd taken on sam mcknight as her hairdresser cut really into the nape of your neck so you could feel the neck exposed and so she lifted her hair up and she said oh my god that feels amazing because it's released the whole of my throat chakra oh this is great oh, i am going to have so that's why she had her hair cut really short I love oh that. Oh my God,
0: I love that story. I love to know that she's into chakras.
1: Oh God, yeah. I mean, you see it in my book. Yeah, oh, absolutely. She was very metaphysical.
2: Oh, love. I absolutely agree with you. As a Princess Diana fan, I, I I find myself being a fan of Harry and Meghan's for that very reason. You use the word liberation. I think I've been saying to family and friends that I my personal opinion is that She would love what, you know, the life that they're living. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that she would approve? And what do you think her thoughts are on William and Kate? Or would be. Well, look, I mean, she,
1: she, she loved her sons passionately, so wherever she may be, her spirit seems to be living on, because here we are talking about her all these <laughs> years later, and, you know, suddenly there's this amazing jamboree about her 60th birthday, the unveiling of the statue, so she loved her sons. And um, I believe that she would be absolutely thrilled because that was her nature. She wasn't down in the dumps. She was a person who loved humor, who loved the levity of life, who loved expanding through life. And as far as um, both of them moving to, um, it's Montecito, isn't it? That she had her eye on a property in Malibu. Oh. So she was talking about buying a property in Malibu, quote unquote, that would be really great for the boys to have freedom so that they could surf, because they're both very sportive, you know, that they could surf, they could rollerblade, they could frisbee, you know, I'm going back 20, whatever years it is, since she, 23 years that she died. 23 years? I think so, yeah. yeah. So it, she'd be in complete favor. But the point is that they're, you know, she, they're really taking on so much of what her legacy is to bring liberation to the disenfranchised, the disassociated, the LGBTQ community, um, Black Lives Matter, hashtag MeToo. All of this is within the understanding of what liberation she wanted to bring about in the sense of using her position as an egalitarian or humanitarian role, because people looked on her as being of iconic status, the most... I mean, I don't need to tell you guys, the most photographed woman in recorded history, exactly. that she wanted to use that position in a really positive way to say, look, if I can support this, then there's no reason why the collective can't move into support of this very genuine, authentic, um, integrous process that brings about the liberation of human spirit.
2: Molly, I am actually, I've decided after that, I am obsessed with Stuart Pierce, author of That's Diana, The Face of Change. <laughs>
0: I cannot wait to read his book. I cannot wait to read everything he ever writes. I'm sold.
2: I I think that was the first time that I was able to talk to someone that had, well, I'm actually certain of it, that had a close friendship with Princess Diana. I mean, I've talked to a lot of maybe royal experts in the past and authors of many books on the royal family, but no one that has had such intimate uh, stories and experiences with diana and the queen and you know the list goes on
0: right i mean he is just a wealth of knowledge and experience and has such an interesting perspective on it all as well
2: definitely well i hope to have him on if not weekly like once a month because he just is such a great source of of wonderful royal stories that i know everyone out there is interested in just like molly and i but that's it for another episode of royally us keep commenting and keep subscribing. We'll see you next week.